Welcome to the Breathe Easy Critical Perspective Podcast. My name is Dominique Pepper, and in this podcast, we interview leaders and experts in critical care. And for today, we go to Copenhagen to discuss dexamethasone dosing in severe COVID disease. So my name is Anders Perner. I'm an intensivist. In, uh, in Copenhagen and a professor of intensive care at the University of Copenhagen. An absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast with us, Anders. Um, today we'll be discussing your article that was published online in JAMA, uh, October the 21st, uh, 2021. The article was entitled, Effect of 12 milligrams versus 6 milligrams of dexamethasone on the number of days alive without life support in adults with with COVID-19 and severe hypoxemia. So, Anders, maybe you could give us, uh, what was the motivational rationale for your RCT? Why did you decide to investigate a higher dose of uh, dexamethasone? Um, thanks, Dominic. It, it's, it's a, well, the full story is a bit long. I'll, I'll, I'll do it as short as possible. So, so we actually started out uh, doing a placebo uh, controlled trial of uh, steroids versus placebo in, in these patients um, early on during the pandemic. But, but when the recovery trial in uh, June 2020 showed uh, improved uh, outcome with the use of dexamethasone, we obviously had to stop the uh, placebo controlled trial um, and then asked out about uh, among the, uh, the investigators that, uh, and, and their uh, clinical colleagues at uh, at all sites. Uh, what would the next trial they would want to do on steroids in in patients with uh, severe COVID be? Because we had the setup, we had the funding, we had a protocol and, and all the tools uh, to do a a steroid trial. Um, so basically, they returned and said that the 12 milligrams dexamethasone versus the now standard dose six uh, was their preferred uh, next RCT in uh, the use of steroids in, in severe COVID. So, so that's why we did the second version, so, so COVID steroid uh, two trial. So why did you decide on that dose? I mean, uh, why would you think that a higher dose would be beneficial? And wouldn't you be concerned about the risks of higher steroid doses? So the, the placebo control trial we did used a, a higher dose uh, than the six milligrams of dexamethasone, and, I, and in fact all other trials then uh, recovery used a higher dose, likely because we normally use higher doses in non-COVID ARDS and in non-COVID septic shock. So so intensivists um, in many places were prepared uh, at that time to give a higher dose. Uh, and combined with um, pharmacokinetic uh, data on on the effects of uh, steroids on the glucocorticoid uh, receptor, um, a higher dose um, has at least had had at least some uh, support uh, on several levels. And what is the mechanism of benefit for um, steroids in patients with COVID nineteen? It's um, more than likely um, anti-inflammatory effect, and 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 therefore the provision of 
of 12 milligrams of dexamethasone versus 6 provides additional anti-inflammatory effect. Um, there's good good evidence for other anti-inflammatory drugs, so IL-6 inhibitors and YAK inhibitors, that, that additional anti-inflammatory uh, effect on top of uh, dexamethasone, 6 milligrams per day, uh, provides benefit. Got you. So let's go through your study methods. Um, what were your study methods, and how did they address any limitations of any prior studies? Um, so, so the uh, the trial was was set up quite uh, swiftly during the pandemic, um, and and um, on one hand, therefore, had fairly short. Um, follow-up uh, to provide uh, faster uh, answers. So, so we used 28-day uh, uh, follow-up for the primary outcome, which we would normally not do. Um, in addition, we used a composite primary outcome being uh, composite of uh, being dead or alive and the use of uh, life support. So the primary outcome was days alive without life support at day 28. And this was sort of to balance the the impact of the intervention, both on something that would be important to, to patients, so mortality, but also something that may have been important in a pandemic response for healthcare systems, uh, being the use of uh, of life support. Um, so, so the these um, characteristics were informed by by it being a pandemic trial. On the other hand, we, we did everything we could to to obtain the highest methodological standard, and therefore uh, used all methods to reduce risk of bias, in, including uh, obviously randomization and concealed allocation, and also blinding of uh, everyone. So, so all uh, clinical staff and most of the research staff uh, uh, and those doing the analysis and, and writing of the the first draft of the abstract were blinded to um, to the intervention. And then, how did you determine um, the number of patients that you were going to recruit? Um, you used a figure of a thirty percent mortality, um, and in yeah. the recovery trial, uh, the mortality rate was a little bit lower than that. It was around twenty three percent and twenty six percent. Which data did you use to determine uh, your mortality rate, and how did that factor into the number of patients that you recruited? So we had we had initial data from uh, from ICUs in uh, in Denmark and in other European countries, um, and and we, I mean, we're a, a research network of, uh, of ICUs, uh, so. So even though we allowed enrollment of patients outside the ICU, we expected that most patients would be enrolled in, in an ICU setting um, and therefore use the the mortality uh, rates observed in different European ICUs uh, to set the, the 30%, knowing that some patients would be recruited a bit earlier while still on a regular, regular ward. Um, so that was the, the reasoning for, for the 30%. Okay. So let's go into your key findings. Um, what were your primary outcomes, and uh, what uh, 
data did you have to support uh, the use of uh, 12 milligrams versus 6 milligrams of dexamethasone? So I said the primary outcome was the days alive uh, without life support at um, day 28, and the 12 milligram uh, group had 20 days alive without life support, um, whereas the 6 milligram group had 20.5 days um, alive without life support. The primary analysis uh, was one of uh, the adjusted mean difference, and the adjusted mean difference was 1.3 days favoring the um, 12 milligram group with a confidence interval ranging from zero, so no effect, up to 2.6 more days alive without life support for the 12 versus 6 milligram group. The p-value for this analysis was uh, 7%. So that's the primary outcome, and um, obviously not statistically significant, um, but the confidence interval um, is uh, obviously most compatible with overall benefit um, of of the higher dose. Um, in addition, overall benefit is supported by the data for um, mortality, both on day 28 and uh, on day 90, and also days alive uh, without life support at 90 days and days alive and out of hospital um, at 90 days, where the confidence intervals of, of, um, of these analyses um, all are um, most compatible with overall benefit from um, the higher dose versus the uh, standard six milligram dose. In addition, the, the safety data, so, so we uh, registered the occurrence of uh, four predefined serious adverse reactions to steroids in the infection and severe GI bleeding. Um, and the composite outcome of, uh, of these four events um, also numerically favored uh, the higher dose, which I guess was a bit surprising. Adding to that, we had had the more spontaneous reporting of uh, any serious adverse um, event and, and combined it all, uh, these data uh, also favored the higher dose over the, uh, the lower dose. So, so taken together, all uh, registered outcome um, favored uh, the 12 milligram group. There were no um, safety concerns we could see, and, and taken together, at least the confidence intervals are most um, compatible with an overall benefit of the higher dose. So how did you interpret uh, these findings? Because in your conclusion in the JAMA article, you state that um, there was no statistically significant difference between 12 milligrams and 6 milligrams, and that your trial was underpowered um, to detect a significant difference. Yeah. So that's the that's a very narrow statistical uh, conclusion, and actually only based on the p-value uh, of the primary outcome. Um, we had some, I would say, a uh, discussion with the journal about this, and, and it, it ended out with a, I guess, traditional um, sort of narrow statistical uh, conclusion. Um, 
I think the more newest conclusion is that, that uh, yes, that's correct. It's not statistically significant. We may have had a statistical significant uh, result. In any case, the results that, as they are are more compatible with, uh, with benefit than with harm, um, which I think will inform um, clinicians uh, on the choice of steroid dose, dose in these patients. So one reply that um, a reviewer of your article may have is, why didn't you just recruit more patients? Um, in the recovery trial, uh, they recruited 6,500 6, patients, and uh, in your trial, there was only 1,000. Uh, if, if the trend had continued um, that you're seeing in your RCT, you definitely would have um, uh, shown statistical significance and put this question to rest. Hmm. Yeah, the, I mean, that's a... That's a very relevant question and, and, a, and a continued challenge when doing trials uh, in the intensive care setting, and I would say particularly in, in a pandemic setting um, where you make decisions, you know, at least when you use the traditional uh, design where you predefine your sample size, um, you will make decisions um, upfront uh, based on uh, limited data, um, and then obviously you, you will have to live with the consequences of uh, of your decisions at the end. Um, so looking back, we, ideally we we should have potentially used a an adaptive design and, and not a fixed sample size, and then we could have stopped when uh, more certainty uh, had been obtained. Um, but that's how it is. We we will pull the uh, our data with uh, with those of uh, the other four or five trials um, that have assessed uh, higher versus standard dose dexamethasone within the next month or two we should get those results and and this will potentially give us a, a more precise estimate um, in addition we're doing a, a Bayesian uh, analysis of, of our data set which is pre-planned we will do the uh, specified uh, 180-day follow-up um, in uh, November, December, um, and, and therefore provide more data to in inform clinicians uh, about the, the overall balance between potential benefit and potential harm um, for, for the higher dose. Yeah, I think it's definitely intriguing that you mentioned that an adaptive uh, platform may have uh, uh, been uh, more useful, and we definitely found that an adaptive platform in these COVID trials um, had a lot more uh, weight to a lot of the findings that we uh, have seen in the last year or so. Um, Anders, in your research um, of uh, COVID-19 and the dexamethasone, what other findings struck you uh, when you reviewed them um, at the end of the trial, and what was your interpretation of them? So, so first of all, I, I must say I'm very surprised that, uh, that that steroids work so well in 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 these patients. I think a lot of us came into this research question with some doubt uh, because of the the, the pre-existing pre evidence in in other viral uh, pneumonias and, and viral ARDS, and particularly influenza, uh, uh, would indicate that steroids could be harmful in. in these patients. Um, on the other hand, um, there were more and more data on 
so still hypoxic, still uh, signs of, um, of of inflammation. Uh, to have my first go would probably be an additional week, and then potentially with some tapering because now we have given close to 20 days of uh, moderate dose steroids, and then tapering regime may be um, of relevance. So, so potentially seven days full dose, and and then seven days of tapering. And then in terms of the uh, limitations of your study, um, there are no perfect trials. What uh, um, advice would you give to the uh, readers of your article, the listeners to this podcast, in terms of uh, understanding the limitations of your trial so that it's placed in the correct context? So so I, I think the, the limitations um, are actually quite obvious. The, the and. Because we did a, a a trial with high internal and high external validity, so recruiting both patients in, in Europe and, and in India, uh, should increase the external validity of these results. And, and as discussed earlier, the high internal validity uh, using a design with the lowest possible risk of bias. Therefore, the, the uncertainties uh, lie in the power uh, the analysis of the primary outcome, um, but the good part is that this can be quantified and uh, reported. So, so our uncertainty about the results are transparent uh, and uh, objective. So, those are the confidence intervals around the important outcome measures, which is obviously the primary outcome, and then the mortality and safety outcomes. Um, so in, in that way, I think our limitations are, are quite transparent because it's potential lack of power, potential ceiling effect on the, of the primary outcome, and therefore some uncertainty around the, the estimates. But these can be read directly from uh, from the report. Gotcha. And then, how do you think your findings advance um, our care of patients with severe COVID disease? And uh, what challenges do you think will exist in um, uh, changing patients' dose from six milligrams of dexamethasone to twelve milligrams? So we we recruited fairly few patients who were on on other anti-inflammatory medications, so in particular uh, tocilizumab or IL six uh, inhibitors. Uh, so it's it's uh, in in centers where tocilizumab is uh, available and standard of care. Um, it's it's uncertain if giving, giving these patients additional anti-inflammatory effect with 12 milligrams of dexamethasone is uh, beneficial. That that cannot be answered from our data because we had so few uh, who were on an IL-6 inhibitor. Uh, at randomization, um, in centers where where um, IL-6 inhibitors are not used or not available, or for patients for whom, uh, for medical reasons, uh, IL-6 inhibitors are less appropriate, um, I, I think there is a um, a reasonable rationale to give these patients uh, 12 milligrams of uh, dexamethasone if they sort of fulfill the hypoxia criteria that we listed as inclusion criteria. So that's uh, the use of oxygen 10 liters or more or 
mechanical ventilation. Um, so that's what we do here. So, so those who cannot receive an IL-6 inhibitor for medical reasons, we give them uh, 12 milligrams of uh, dexamethasone. Okay, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with our uh, listeners, uh, Anders. Um, what concluding remarks do you want to leave with our audience at this time? Um, so, so, first of all, obviously, I have a huge thank to all investigators, um, clinicians, research staff, patients and relatives, uh, funders, all the administrative staff who enabled us to to conduct a uh, high-quality trial during very challenging times. Uh, the Novo Nordisk Foundation and Research Taylor who funded the trial, the uh, coordinating centers in Copenhagen Creek and in the George Institute in India and in Australia. Um, so, so doing randomized trial in an ICU setting is a massive uh, team effort, and, and in particular so when it's in a pandemic situation. On the other hand, it can be done. Um, so so we as, as researchers and clinicians um, should more and more accept that, that the randomized trial become a part of our everyday life and, and probably do more and more in, in a setting of platform trials and adaptive trials so that we can, can learn more. I, I think uh, the management of severe COVID has shown that the randomized trial is probably the only safe way of uh, improving care um, to patients. And, and if we use interventions without trial evidence, uh, we may waste uh, our efforts, but we may also harm patients. Uh, there are several examples of that, that in, the, in the pandemic. So, so more randomized trial and, and Everyone at all levels um, should should uh, embrace that. No, definitely. We need uh, high-quality data, and the randomized trials is the best way to get there, and hopefully with the use of adaptive platform trials, which uh, definitely have answered important questions. Uh, and as we'll be looking out for your um, uh, meta-analyses of this data in the next uh, few months, and we applaud you and your team for really outstanding work. For the audience, uh, we discussed uh, the JAMA paper um, published online October 21st, 2021. It was entitled The Effect of 12 milligrams versus 6 milligrams of dexamethasone on the number of days alive without life support in adults with COVID-19 and severe hypoxemia. Anders, uh, congratulations to you and your team. Do you take care. A big thank you to Dr. Anders Perner and a big thank you to all of you for listening to the Breathe Easy Critical Perspective podcast. I'm Dominique Pepper for the American Thoracic Society.